Now we give a very warm welcome to everyone to public worship here today, both to those in the church here and to those who are joining with us online. Let's begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm 145. It's the first version of the psalm. It's page 442 of the Psalter. It's at verse 1. I'll thee exalt my God, O King. I'll bless thy name always. Thee will I bless each day, and will thy name for ever praise. Great is the Lord, much to be praised, as greatness search exceeds. Race unto race shall praise thy works, and show thy mighty deeds. We'll sing verses 1 to 6 of Psalm 145. I'll thee extol my God, O King. together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, we thank you for the song that we have just been singing. Are thee extol, my God, O King. We thank you that it is possible for such as we are this day to say of you, you are my God. 
You are our God in terms of our being our creator. But uh, you are much more our God than that. You are our God in terms of salvation. You are our God in terms of redeemer. And the astonishing thing is that we can draw nigh this day and call you Father, Abba Father. These are astonishing truths that we would never dare conjure up in our own imaginations. But we don't need to conjure them up because they are revealed to us on the pages of Scripture. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we pray that as we come into your presence this day, we would have a sense of the awesomeness of God and a sense of the holiness of God. And if the truth be told, when we ponder these things, there's something in us that just wants to run and hide from you. But there are no hiding places. The psalmist could say, O Lord, thou hast me searched and known. Thou knowest my sitting down and rising up, yea, all my thoughts afar to thee are known. And we can look at life's journey, and the biggest problem we faced was that we knew that you knew everything about us. But we thank you that you've done something about our plight and that we can come this day in all our sins and in all our wretchedness and confess to you, knowing that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We give thanks this day for the sound of little voices in our midst. They are gifts given to us by you and we pray that we would be able to show them what it is to be trusting in Jesus we pray for those who would be here this day but who cannot be we think of Tommy Cook in hospital at this time and we pray that you'd be a blessing to him where he is we remember Ricky as he struggles with his treatment we remember Mackie as he recovers from his operation and we think of others, we think of the Mackintosh family from the Doors congregation who will lay a loved one to rest if they are spared on Tuesday. We think of Elise Mary's family as they mourn the loss of a loved one. And many others who have been bereft in recent days. O oh Lord our God, you are speaking to us, not just in the Bible, but you are speaking to us in the events of life, reminding us every single day that we know not what a day may bring forth. So we ought to watch and be ready. We pray for those caught up in the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, going through things that we cannot begin to imagine. O Lord our God, may it make us thankful for the blessings and the gifts that we have on a daily basis that we are so ready to take so for granted. We pray that you'd be with us, not just as a church, but as a nation. We pray that you would uh, give strength and succor to those who are standing for you going against a 
tide that seems unstoppable at times. O Lord our God, may we remember that righteousness alone exalts a nation. So be with us, we pray. Guide us and keep us and bless us all. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now it's lovely to see and to hear so many youngsters with us uh, here today. And I'm going to tell you a couple of things that made me smile. Well, they actually made me more than smile in the past week. I went into one of the schools, those who were at the prayer meeting on Wednesday, I've already heard this story, but uh, I went into one of the schools and it was just as they were coming back in from lunch break and it was a primary one and uh, I was in the classroom before the children started coming in but this little girl came bouncing in the door and she looked at me and she said, who are you? And uh, before I got a chance to answer her, wee friend said, it's Mr. Potato. And I thought, <laughs> I, I twigged straight away what the connection was, because when we were doing the Harvest Thanksgiving service, and, and, and the work in the, in, in, in the classes, I used a potato to illustrate how God gives us the soil to put the potato in, how God gives us the rain for the, the potato needs to grow, and the sun shining. So uh, out of all of that, she remembered the potato. That's the connection she made with me, so, so I was Mr. Potato. But the other thing that made me smile was in the junior club upstairs on Thursday, we've started doing the Easter block of, uh, of work in the schools and in, in, in the clubs. And um, of course, the reason Jesus was put onto the cross was because of the church leaders of the day. They were really angry with Jesus. And one of the major reasons that made him, them angry was Jesus called himself the Son of God. Now they picked up on that straight away. Jesus is saying he's not just a human being, he's God as well. And, uh, and at the very first miracle Jesus did, he went to a wedding and he changed water into into wine and when they were asking all the questions how did you do that who are you where did you get your power from he always gave the same answer I am the son of God so we started the block of work with the um, miracle at the wedding in Cana of Galilee and uh, so, so my first question last Thursday was this what did Jesus do at the wedding? And a wee girl shot up her hand. He, 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 no, no, I didn't, I didn't. I said, what happened at the wedding? That's what I said. <laughs> she shot up her hand. They ran out of whiskey, she said. <laughs> well, she sort of got it right because whiskey's alcoholic and wine, the wine is alcoholic. But I don't think what the Jesus made was quite as strong as as our whiskey but look at the con and I think it must have come from this because I said to the children what happens at a wedding and of course the first answer was people get married so you ask a simple question and you get a simple answer and we started exploring people have a meal and there's a cake and I think they started getting on to you, you have drinks at the wedding and I think someone said coke and someone said beer and someone actually did say whiskey that's what she picked up on that's the connection she made so in one of the schools the children's address was about harvest and the thing she picked up on was the potato. 
for the first miracle, the thing that that wee girl picked up on was changing, they ran out of of whiskey. Which reminds us of this, we all make different kinds of connections. And I hope that today, every last person here, young and old, have made the connection between us getting into heaven and Jesus. Because that's the only way we can get into heaven. We don't get there by keeping rules and sort of making out that we're very much better than other people and all that kind of stuff. We get there because Jesus offers us a gift and the gift is to be in heaven with him. The other words that's used in the Bible are, are eternal life. But that's the base. I hope that between you and me and Jesus today that we've made the right connection. Let's sing again to God's praise in the same song, Psalm 145, still on page 442 of uh, the Psalter. And this time it's at verse 7. Psalm 145 and uh, at verse 7. The memory of thy goodness great they largely shall express. With songs of praise they shall extol thy perfect righteousness. The Lord is very gracious, in him compassions flow, in mercy he is very great, and is to anger slow. We'll sing verses 7 to 11. The memory of thy goodness great they largely shall express.
Now let's read God's word as we find it first of all in Deuteronomy at chapter 30 and it's at the beginning of uh, the chapter. God made a covenant with his people and the covenant has been renewed and God is reminding them that if, we, if they want to know blessing they have to listen to God and obey him in covenant terms. If they want the opposite, the curses of a covenant, it comes through a disobedience. So Deuteronomy chapter 30 and at verse 1. And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you. And he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you. And from there he will take you. You And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your uh, ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all uh, your soul. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, 
but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. And we'll also read in Luke's Gospel and at chapter 7. And we'll start the reading at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the uh, ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. They said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you give me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her uh, hair. You give me no kiss, but from the time I came in she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with the ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. And may God bless to us that uh, reading from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord our God. We pray that as we turn to your word to explore it afresh this day, that you would help us. We have nothing to woo you with. 
We have the very opposite. We have mountains of provocation in our lives that would cause you to shun us. But we ask you to deal with us in your mercy. We remind ourselves this day that you are the one who has said, Come unto me all you that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we are all labouring in so many different ways. But we pray that we would come to you and that we would find rest for our souls in you this day. We remember, O Lord, as we have already said, those who would be here if they could, but who cannot. And we remember those who are in hospital or who are unwell. And we remember the Makedi's grandchild in particular at this time. Be a blessing to her and her family. We pray that the end effect of the difficulties we face in life's journey would indeed be to usher us further under the shadow of the wing of Jesus of Nazareth. So be with us today, we ask thee. Bless us, and all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's continue in the same song, Psalm 145, the first verse, and this time it's at verse 12. To make the sons of men to know his acts done mightily, and of his kingdom the excellent and glorious majesty. We'll sing from verse 12 down to the end of the verse, Mark 16, to make the sons of men to know his acts done mightily.
Now let's turn for a few moments to the passage that we've read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, and we'll read again at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now let's, by God's enabling, seek to explore something of this area of Scripture. We cannot go into it all, there's just too much. But there are three areas that I want us uh, to explore today. First of all, this woman, she's known as the sinful woman. First of all, she got herself to Jesus. It's there in verse 37. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And the second thing we want to explore is this. She expressed her love for Jesus. It's there in 38. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And the third thing we want to look at is she received the blessing or the benediction of Jesus. It's there in verse 48. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. And in verse 50, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in, uh, go in peace. Well, the first thing we want to explore is that this woman got herself to Jesus. And it's easy for us to just miss that point because um, Jesus has gone in to the home of a Pharisee. And uh, that's significant because that put obstacles in the way of this woman. Now some people think that this woman was Mary Magdalene. We're not actually told that. Remember Mary Magdalene was an exceedingly wicked woman. She was possessed by seven devils and the Lord cast out these devils from her. And you know the astonishing thing is this you know if you and I had to work out okay on the on the resurrection morning who are you going to choose to have a one-to-one with the risen Christ? I don't think many of us would have chosen Mary Magdalene. And the reason we wouldn't have chosen her is this. She's defective. She's tarnished. She's got a reputation. It can't be her. But it is her. And that's that tells us something about this God we are here today to worship. It tells us something about Jesus of Nazareth. That it's people who are black and grubby and ugly with sin in their history that he's giving great privileges to. I don't think any of us would have chosen Simon Peter either 
Because not terribly long ago, he had really blotted his copybook by saying not just once, but three times over, and ultimately with curses and with oaths, I don't know anything about this man at all. It was barefaced, naked lies. But I don't know if we would have done any better. Because you know what? It is so hard when you're in a great cloud and that cloud is going in one direction and you have to stand up against the flow. You know, we might think we can stand up against the flow. But when you're in the thick of it, it's so easy to just melt away and for all kinds of fears and anxieties to invade your thinking and for you to buckle and make a real and absolute mess of it. And my guess today is that we are all here who are believers, who have messed up big style in life's journey. And the problem with messing up big style is this. You write yourself off. You think that that's the end of the journey and you think that that's the end of any kind of usefulness in terms of honouring the Lord and being effective in His service and being part of His, being an instrument of His in His church in this world. That's not the way the Lord thinks. That's not the way Jesus of Nazareth thought with Mary Magdalene. And that's not the way that Jesus of Nazareth thought with uh, with Simon Peter. But anyway, I'm going off at a tangent. Some people have suggested that this woman was Mary uh, Magdalene. We are not told that. Now, there are others who are convinced that this woman was a prostitute. We aren't told that either. She may well have been. But what we do know about this woman is she was a great sinner. She was a great sinner. But the astonishing thing about Jesus of Nazareth is this. It's great sinners. He came into this world to seek and to save. Now I don't know what you think of yourself in terms of your Christian sojourn. But uh, you may well be here today thinking, well, you know what? I know myself better than anybody else. And honestly, honestly. Do you know, I was visiting someone in the last few days and this is what he said to me. If you really knew me, you wouldn't speak to me again. And my reply was, if you really knew me, you wouldn't have let me over your door. You see, there was somebody who saw himself as the greatest sinner. And you know what? I hope we all think that of ourselves today. Now you, you think, well, well, we can't all be the greatest, you know. There's only, there's only one the greatest. Well, let's think of it in this kind of way. What happens a person when God comes into their experience and they're regenerated? And they become new creatures and they become believers, they're born again, they're, they're in Christ. 
And for the first while it can be so wonderful. There's wonderful emotions involved there. Everybody has different experiences for some great emotions. But what happens by and by? The work of the Spirit of God in the individual begins to operate. And one of the things that God does in our experiences, he really shows us to ourselves. And that can be exceedingly painful. And that can be very depressing. And that can get us really down. And it can get us so down that sometimes we can think we're out. Now the reality is this, you know far more about yourself than anybody else in this world. You don't know as much as God, but as far as any other human being, you know yourself more than anyone else. That's true of me as well. That's why, with that kind of knowledge of ourselves, we can all say, I am the greatest sinner in the world. But just to say we are the greatest sinner in the world is not to say we are all beyond the pale and there's no redemption for us. I know that the enemy of our souls whispers that into our ears day after day after day and the battle can be exceedingly fierce, exceedingly fierce because he is out to destroy every believer. But Christ is out to do the very opposite. And I come back to this. He, he gave a one-to-one to Mary Magdalene on resurrection morning. And he gave a one-to-one to Simon Peter on resurrection morning eh, as well. But the problem for this woman, she's got a, an awful history. She's got a blemished reputation. And she can think to herself, right, I can't go into that house. It's true that Jesus is in that house and she captures something of the compassion of Jesus but you know what the problem is? There's somebody else besides Jesus in that house and it's this Pharisee. Now the Pharisee, that word means separate and the Pharisees, the Pharisees had this idea about themselves. Well, not all of them, not all of them. But by and large, the Pharisees had this idea. That they were a cut above and that they kept all these laws and they impressed God so much that God was going to take them into heaven on the basis of their, of their works, of what they were doing. You know, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And at one stage in Nicodemus's life, he has no idea, no concept whatsoever of being saved by grace. You know... We talk about people being born again. And that is what happens to people who are invaded by the power of the Spirit of God. The theologians have a term, regeneration. And it just means born again. There's this new creature. So we have a natural birth. And if we're in Christ, we have a spiritual birth. But when Jesus interacts with Nicodemus at the beginning of John's Gospel... He has no idea what he's talking about when Jesus tells him that you must be born again. He says, do I go through the natural birth again? Can a man enter into his mother's womb? And it's so ludicrous, it's absurd. But that's the way it was. Now, now it is true. It is true that a great change came in the life of uh, Nicodemus the Pharisee. Because when Jesus is dead on the cross at Calvary, 
And the big question is this. Is anybody going to give him any decency and dignity whatsoever? And the answer is yes. And if we were to have hazard a guess as to who's going to do the decent thing and, and, and give him a, 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 a burial that's worthy of, of the name. I think we would have probably come up with Peter, James and John. But instead they're nowhere to be seen. But two men come out of the shadows, Joseph of Arimathea, who followed Jesus secretly for fear of the Jews. It's amazing the things that fear makes us do in life's journey. And we're all so afraid at various stages of our earthly uh, pilgrimage. So many fears and so many anxieties. Well, Joseph of Arimathea followed Jesus secretly because he was afraid of the religious elite. And the other man that goes alongside him to take Jesus off the cross and entomb him is none other than, than Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus was the equivalent of an MP or an MSP in our society. They were, he was really putting his head above the parapet. But he was putting his head above the parapet because like this woman he radically loved Jesus. And you think, well Why? And the answer is this, because he too grasped what regeneration was. Or let me put it another way, he too grasped what salvation by being gifted it by Jesus really was all about. But let's get back to this. This woman, I'm quite sure, knew that this was a Pharisee's house. This Pharisee would look down upon her as a as a non-entity, as somebody that and, that, and that comes out, that comes out in the story. And we cannot but think that she knew that that's the way he would be thinking. And that can be so, so off-putting. You know, I think someone said this at one stage, that there's nothing so off-putting as an arrogant Christian. And that can do so much damage. It can do so much damage. By grace are you saved. Not, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. And if that's the way it is, there is no room for, for, for arrogance. But this Pharisee can do so much damage to this, to this woman. But she got herself to Jesus. And I don't know where you are on life's journey today. Maybe you are here and there are other people in the Christian church, maybe even perhaps in this congregation, who are, who are a barrier to you closing in with Christ. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. The stakes are too high. Nothing in this world should keep you from Christ. I think I've already said in my prayer today that we know not what a day or an hour may bring forth. Who knows, we may be in eternity before the end of this very day. She got herself to Jesus and you and I, we must get ourselves to Jesus irrespective of any hindrances and any barriers.
But anyway, let's move on to the second thing. She expressed her love uh, for Jesus. Uh, It's there in verse 38. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them uh, with uh, the ointment. Now, it was the done thing in this kind of setup for not just hands to be washed, but for feet to be washed as well. You remember that Jesus himself, on one occasion, washed and wiped the feet of the disciples. It was a common cultural thing to do. And you think... If it was that common and it was part of the culture, why didn't one of these disciples get down and do the necessary? And the answer is this. They were all standing on their egos. They were all proud people. And pride does a devastating work in the lives of all of us, I'm afraid. It is something that has to be so worked upon in our experience. And we cannot master it ourselves. But the grace of God is such that we can turn heavenwards and we can ask him to have mercy upon us and to mould us and to fashion us and to make us what we cannot make ourselves. But nobody flinches an inch until eventually Jesus uh, does it. And this woman, she weeps and washes the feet of Jesus with her tears she wipes the feet with her hair and then she anoints them with this very expensive alabaster flask of perfume or ointment whatever we want to call it but it doesn't go unnoticed by the Pharisee now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this he said to himself if this man were a prophet you see how far off Bimi is? This man isn't a prophet. This man is the prophet. But this man isn't just a prophet. This man is the God-man. Come in the flesh. When he changed the water into wine at that wedding at Cana of Galilee. And they're saying, who are you? I am the son of God. And the church leadership of the day is saying, you're lying. You're not. But I am. And that battle goes on for the next three years. And after every miracle, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? He's the Son of God. Who is this that can feed 5,000 with such a minimal amount? He's the Son of God. Who is this that raises the widow of Nain's son? He's the Son of God. It's his divinity that's being manifested. He is human and there's a great mystery. There is a great mystery. But we are surrounded by mystery in this world at every turn. There's nothing unusual about believing something that you don't fully understand. Nothing unusual about that eh, whatsoever. And what's the Pharisee saying of this man in you? Now when the Pharisee would invite them saw this, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would have known 
who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner and he's lost it completely he's lost it completely that's the very kind of person that Christ came into this world to seek and to save but he hasn't captured it if he was a prophet he would know but the reality is this not only does this Jesus know this woman he knows exactly what's going through the mind of the Pharisee as well and Jesus answering said to him Simon I have something to say to you and he answered say it teacher a certain moneylender had two debtors and we've read the story one owes far more than the other and both have their debts cancelled you see what Jesus does to this man is this he not only shows him that he knows this, who this woman is he knows who the Pharisee is as well and I think I've mentioned it in my prayer today already that the biggest problem for us all at some stage in life's journey has been this we knew that he knew everything about us and our response was to go on the run from him but there is no peace being on the run from God but but we don't need to be on the run from God we don't need to be on the run from God and let me just say this sometimes when we come to Jesus for the first time and we just grasp the enormity he knows everything about me and he's going to accept me the way I am it's just like a balm to the soul but you know we fall by the wayside and we get ourselves involved in things that we shouldn't get involved in and we make a complete mess of things and we go on the run afresh from him and that being on the run is not good either and what we've got to do is to come back the way we are we can't come any other way we can't come any other way but it's the enormity the sheer enormity of the mercy that is in Christ that we get wrong so often that's our problem that's, now I'm not justifying falling by the wayside I'm not excusing sin or, or, or anything of that nature I'm not but, but I am saying this he knew who this woman was and he knew who this Pharisee was he knew them both eh, through and, eh, and through you give me no kiss but from the time I come in she has not ceased to kiss my feet you did not anoint my head with oil but she has anointed my feet with ointment therefore I tell you her sins which are many are uh, forgiven she expressed her love for Jesus why wouldn't she love him radically because she's got such a fearful history and he's willing to wipe it all out why wouldn't she love him in this kind of way but it doesn't go without real criticism on the part of the Pharisee but that 
leads me on to the final thing I want to say a little bit about. She received the blessing of uh, Jesus. It's there in in, in, in verse 48. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Who's saying this? Do you know, as we explore the Easter story... These miracles that Jesus performed, they're asking him, how did you do that? And he's saying, I'm the Son of God. The church leadership are furious. But there's another thing that makes them furious as well. They're turning up at their big temple in Jerusalem on their special day and they're saying, where's everybody gone? And the answer is this, they're all for that Jesus. And the question is, why are they all for that Jesus? Well, yes, the miracles are interesting to them. But there's more than that. These Pharisees had their over 600 laws and rules. And you know, you know in Old Testament times, they tithe. They give a tenth of everything they had to the Lord as a minimum. But they took it to the ridiculous. They were going to their gardens and they were picking up their herbs and giving a tenth to the Lord. It, 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 was, it was ridiculous. But at any rate, they had all these rules and they're saying to the people, you do this and you do that and you do the next thing and you'll get yourself into heaven. And the people were in bondage. They were in real bondage. Because they couldn't keep them all. And Jesus bursts on the scene and he's basically saying to them, I know you can't keep these rules. I know it. But because I am who I am, I am the Son of God, I can forgive you your sins. They'd never heard anything like it before. It was just like a breath of fresh air. That's why they're off listening to Jesus. That's why they're off listening to Jesus. And it causes the church leadership to be full of jealousy. And jealousy bubbles over into even more anger. And that ultimately is what leads to the crucifixion of Jesus. At least on a human level. At any rate. Here is the Jesus. And he says to this woman who's got a horrible history. But we all have horrible histories. Your sins, your sins are, are forgiven. And what are the people saying? Then those who were at table with him began to say, Who is this who even forgives sins? Who is he? And that is the burning question. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? Well, in his own words, I'm the Son of God. I am divine and I'm human as well and I've come to sort out the plight of the human race if that's what you and I want. Just one final thing uh, before we close. He says uh, to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now that's interesting. Because even faith is a gift of God. If you and I are here as believers, we have been gifted that by God. But there's a great qualifier. It's not God who does the believing. 
we are the ones that have to do the believing and he says to this great sinner your sins are forgiven go in peace you see by nature we are enemies of God we want to do our own thing we want God out of the way so that we can be on the throne of our own universe and live our own lives but that's only half the story we are at enmity with God the other half of the story is this God's at enmity with us we read there in Deuteronomy about the curses and the blessings of his covenant with his people if we want to know blessing in our lives we've got to stop being enemies but you know what God's got to stop being our enemy as well that is what Jesus is doing in this world God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself he's taking away our enmity against God and he's taking away God's enmity against us you know there is nothing that will instill peace in the heart and soul of a human being quite like this to know that I'm at one with God that the sin barrier has gone and we're reconciled there is nothing in all this world that will give peace quite like that and you know what we live our lives as believers and so often there's no peace so often there's no peace do you know what part of the problem is we're listening to our own roving imaginations and our own fears and anxieties instead of listening to the word of God your sins are forgiven go in peace and what he says to this woman he says to each and every one of us we're here as believers in him today and my hope and prayer is this that we will believe what he's saying and that we will reap some of the peace that can come from God alone in our life's experience Amen let's uh, pray O Lord our God we thank you that you deal with us in your mercy we pray that we would listen to you each and every day we pray that you'd get us back on the straight and the narrow we pray that we would reap the blessing and the benediction of peace in our lives because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and all we ask is in his name Amen now let's conclude by singing the final few verses of the song we've been singing, Psalm uh, 145, and it's the first version at verse 17. The Lord is just in all his ways, holy in his works all. God's near to all that call on him, in truth that on him call. He will accomplish the desire of those that do him fear. He also will deliver them, and he, their cry, will hear. We'll sing from 17 to the end. The Lord is just in all his ways.
Now may grace, mercy, and peace from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one, both now.